Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, conversations with the diabetes care team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Kirsten Yale, Associate Director for Research at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. April is Minority Health Month, and our guest today, Dr. Gary Puckrin, was instrumental in launching this national observance. Dr. Puckrin joins us today to discuss the disproportionate impact of diabetes on communities of color. You'll learn why health inequities persist in communities of color despite advances in treatment and technology. And you'll hear why advancing health equity ultimately benefits the bottom line for everyone. Dr. Puckrin, welcome to the huddle. Good morning. We are so happy to have you on. And hey, do you mind if I call you Gary? Please. Ah, super. Well, you know, well, you know this already because we've had a few conversations, but I'm a huge fan of your work, especially really because you're especially your initiatives to integrate data and expertise. So I know your work really well, but I would love if maybe you can talk a little bit about your work to so our audience can get to know you also. I'd love to. So the National Minority Quality Forum, uh, we are a research and education organization based here in Washington, D.C. Um, most of our work started really with collecting health data. Uh, we've been doing that for about 20 years. Uh, we have a database of over 5 billion patient records. We collect data on about 160 million lives per year, covering well over 100,000 different conditions. Uh, so uh, from that data, uh, we really understand what's happening in community uh, with diseases like diabetes, the incidence, the prevalence, who's treating them, what do their outcomes look like, what do they cost, uh, all of that kind of information we were able to pull out of the data. And then we partner with organizations uh, around the country organized medicine, patient advocacy groups. Uh, we talk to legislators. Uh, we use the data to try to help inform, uh, in this case, um, what's happening uh, with diabetes in the United States. Okay, so even though I'm a fan of your work, I had no idea that you had over 5 billion records. That's absolutely incredible. And I can see why people want to partner with you guys and work with you guys. Um, question, you know, looking over the years at your work, what trends are you seeing in community health? Well, you know, I'm going to focus us here on diabetes in particular. So um, when we got started collecting data, about 3% of the American population was living with diabetes. Now it's 10%. And what we see in that data is that about 60% of everyone living with diabetes either has an emergency room visit or a hospital visit every year. Uh, if you take an African-American with diabetes and ischemic heart disease, they have a 90% hospitalization rate. I can't even begin to understand what a 90% hospitalization rate looks like, but, but, that, but that's the point. 
that prevalence of diabetes is, is growing in the country. Um, our ability to manage diabetes is not where it should be. And so lots of diabetes care is actually happening in hospitals. So what would you say, like, why are these health outcomes not improving? And I've heard you talk a little bit in the past about these systems not getting smarter. You know, we keep thinking about systems and how they're moving us ahead. But in this case, they're not getting smarter. This 90% rate just made my stomach drop. Why are these health outcomes not improving? You know, I, I would say to begin with, our healthcare system is more focused on financial risk than it is on managing patient risk. Um, so in the case of diabetes, there really isn't any national initiative that says, number one, we should be reducing the prevalence of diabetes and the incidence of diabetes in community, uh, particularly those uh, with high risk. But for those who are living with diabetes, we're not helping them to manage the disease. Uh, if you look at hemoglobin A1C levels, for example, the mean is about 8.5, uh, and that's a clear signal uh, that we're really not managing the disease well. Uh, in fact, I, I believe we could use uh, uh, A1C levels as a real guidepost to how well we're managing diabetes at the population level. If you aggregate it up, say, by zip code, it'll tell you how well we're managing uh, diabetes by zip code. And so there's an opportunity uh, to do great things. I mean, we have the technology, we have the data, uh, but because our system is not focused on patient risk and managing patient risk, and when I say patient risk, I'm talking about lowering their risk for hospitalization, lowering their risk for an emergency room visit, lowering their risk for a disability, and of course, lowering their risk uh, for mortality while improving the quality of their life. That's the purpose of healthcare. That's what it should be doing. In the case of diabetes, uh, that's not what it's doing. So I want to back up for a minute because you mentioned something really important that I hadn't really thought about in this picture, that we don't have a national plan when, when we think about this, this, this problem, especially with communities, communities of color, um, health disparities, uh, and diabetes. And you're right. You just earlier talked about you have over 5 billion records. We have the data. Technology is advancing. Why don't we have a plan or how, how do we get a plan? Well, you know, um, I, I always think it's a matter of will. We have to uh, decide one day that, you know, this growing prevalence of diabetes, the hospitalization rates, the emergency room visits are, are, are gone too far and uh, we need to intervene. And it, and it calls for a reimagining of our healthcare system. Um, it, it, it takes all of us to get fully engaged. Um, you know, certainly we need the work of diabetes care and educate, education specialists. We need clinicians. Uh, we need patients. We need policymakers um, to set policy. And, and all of that has to come together. It has to be harmonized, uh, focused around um, lowering risk for people living with diabetes. So... I heard a really important word early on in your response there about reimagining the healthcare system. And when I think reimagining, it just makes me think about creativity and how, you know, when we tackle big problems, we have to get really creative and think about so many variables that go into this. So, you know, from a health system perspective, you know, what 
what is the role of the healthcare system and how can the healthcare system get creative in, in, in reimagining this problem, even when we think about cost? You know, it's, real, it's a really interesting question. It reminds me of several years ago, I was at a lunch uh, with a number of senior executives in healthcare. And I remember one of the, one of the executives sitting at the lunch said, I don't know what our healthcare system is supposed to be doing. And I, I found that such a fascinating question, right? Uh, and I thought about it. And at the end of the day, our healthcare system is supposed to lower risk. That is its job. It's, in fact, that is its only job. The problem is that it's not oriented to do that. In the case of diabetes, as I said earlier, there's no plan. Everybody's running around. Uh, we see the numbers. We see that we're not managing of diabetes very well by the hemoglobin A1Cs. It's evident in the hospitalization and the emergency room visit. But there's no attempt to get smarter. There's no effort to say, you know, um, we ought to have a plan. Uh, we ought to figure this out. And it has a tremendous cost. You know, if you take the Medicare program, about 38% of its budget is being spent on patients, uh, beneficiaries with an underlying condition of diabetes. So it's not like it doesn't impact us. If you Again, if you look at the numbers, 75% of all of the hospitalizations for diabetes are being paid by the federal government. Um, so they're your tax dollars uh, at work. Uh, and uh, in the sense there's no plan. So I think two things have to happen. One, we have to wake up one day and have the will and say, okay, uh, this is a problem that's not unfixable, that we can fix this. And then number two, we have to have a plan. We have to bring everyone around the table and put a plan together to, to really manage diabetes in this country. Yeah. And, and when you say, you know, 75% of those dollars are coming, you know, from, from our tax dollars, I mean, I think that really says that we all have a part in this, that we all, if this is impacting all of us, you know, whether it's directly or, or indirectly, you know, I, and especially when you talked about your, you know, a healthcare leader that says, I really don't know what what the point is or what we're what we're doing i mean i i actually can empathize with that i mean there's so many again there's so many variables there's so many pieces that go into this it is kind of a mind-boggling problem and i love the way you bring it down to the healthcare system's role is to lower risk and that lower healthcare risk and that's what really needs to be on the forefront of our minds um if i can take a, a quick turn here so ADCES, you know, we work with, um, for our healthcare providers, the diabetes care and education specialists, and we've really worked this past year about, um, we have a toolkit that talks about the value that the diabetes care and education specialists can bring to their health system. And a lot of what you're talking about are these pieces to say, you know, um, th this is what a DCES can can take to the table, can take to their leadership and say, this can really have an impact not only on the health system, but on the community, um, how can you offer any advice to our listeners, some real world advice to what what they could bring to leadership to really make a difference? You know, it's a really challenging question because if they were going to leadership, and I'm sure they are, with tools and plans that say, so here's how we can help people living with diabetes. 
And we could do this by the numbers. And obviously, you know, we can learn as we go and get smarter and help. But that's not what leadership is concerned about. They're concerned about financial risk. And so the question you're going to, they're going to ask you is, well, how much does that cost? What's the return on invest, financial investment, not patient investment? And there is the conundrum uh, because the, the system is centered around financial risk. And we haven't given ourselves permission to say, no, you know something? Uh, we ought to be prioritizing patient risk. And within that, I mean, we'll find um, cost savings and, and you know, we'll manage uh, the resources well. But the priority is, is not there. And I'm sure, uh, you know, these uh, diabetes care and education specialists are frustrated because they know what to do. It's not that they, they don't know what to do, uh, but they're operating in a system that has a whole different purpose uh, from what they're trained to do. And you know what? You, you bring up cost and financials. And I would say I think the diabetes care and education specialist is trained in every way, right? They're trained in putting the patient at the center. They're trained in person-centered care. They're trained in medication. They're trained in treatment, prevention, technology, all of these pieces, right? But there, and, and all of those pieces that you say support what the healthcare system is supposed to do, which is reducing risk. But they're not trained in financials. And so it's always like this translational piece that I think is the conundrum. Like, how do you funnel all of that into a conversation about cost? And, you know, I mean, do you, do you think that there's an opportunity down the road to to tie those two together, to tie cost with with treatment and medication and, you know, with everything the diabetes care and education specialist does? How do you tie tie that to cost? Well, I, I think, you know, the issue is, you know, if we're reimagining and we're giving ourselves permission now to rethink how we're delivering health care or even how we're delivering diabetes care, uh, we shouldn't confine ourselves by saying that uh, we need to either prioritize or make uh, financial risk and patient risk equal. The name of the game is first patient risk. What do we need to do to help patients with diabetes? And the cost will come along, obviously, because uh, it's going to take resources to do that. But, you know, in the same way, our military, they don't sit around and say, you know, uh, I really like to have this tank, but I got to go do this financial modeling first and then you know, get permission. And No, they don't do that. They come and say, I need a tank. And we all say, yeah, okay, get a tank. And we have to do the same thing when we're um, dealing with patients and, and patient risk. It, it, it really is our future. You can't develop all of these wonderful technologies, and CGMs and medications and AI and, and technology out of the wazoo, and then you can't apply it. <laughs> I mean, it's like you might as well not have it, right? You, I mean, and, and that's what I'm talking about. The system, it's not, it's not that the system has a negative impact. It's actually increasing patient risk. That's the point, that when, when you get yourself into the muddle that we're in, uh, where we're just managing financial risk, you're necessarily going to elevate patient risk. And that's what health disparities is all about. Health disparities is really about the failure to manage risk uh, for a whole cohort of patients. We can look at those communities, we can see the diabetes, we can see the emergency room visits, we can look at the amputations, 
Uh, we can look at the blindness. We can see all of that. And we say, ah, you know, it just costs too much to fix. Uh, we just we just can't do it. it just, it's just too much uh, for us to bear. And if you have a healthcare system that says that, then you're going to have inequities. You're going to have uh, high rates of hospitalizations and premature death. And all of that comes along uh, with that position. And so I, I would say to the diabetes care and education specialist, uh, don't lose your way. Don't change. The, we really have to change the system. The system has to come to you. Um, you shouldn't turn yourself into an economist in order to practice your art. I think that would be a real failure and, and obviously uh, not part of any reimagining of the system because that, that is what the system is doing right now. Well, I appreciate that more than you know, because I talked to so many DCESs who really are becoming secondary economists just, just to keep things moving. But can I ask, just because that tank example was so amazing, what would you call is the tank for diabetes care and education specialists? My, um, my grandson uh, has type 1 diabetes, and when he was younger... I remember taking him to the beach and playing in the sun. Uh, and this is before CGMs. And I spent all afternoon uh, just afraid of that his blood sugar levels were going to collapse because he was running in the, um, in the, you know, in the sun and in the water. And, and it felt to me like somebody had given me an automobile uh, with no gas thermometer. So every once in a while I had to get out the car stick a pole down the, the gas tank to see if I still had gas in the car. Uh, and that's essentially where, where I was. So I think CGMs are just a marvelous tool uh, that we really have to use uh, and, and help people stay in range. Um, I think that would be a wonderful place uh, to use that technology. And obviously, there's a whole host of new therapies uh, that are cardiovascular protective and lots of other things that we can do. But the first place to begin is obviously to manage blood glucose levels. And I think CGMs are just a wonderful tool for that. Yeah, I, I, could, I could not agree more. It's a, it's life-changing technology. And it, it really is. I, I do hope, I think, and, and we've seen such an uptick. And I think over the next several years, it's going to be pretty amazing to see how far we can get with, you know, implementing um, or bringing CGMs to populations that need them need them most. But okay, Gary, we have talked a ton about health systems, probably because that is what um, you know. I love picking your brain about. But we, you know, you're also you talk a lot about the community and and um, connecting health systems and communities. And I'm interested as as you know, we have a couple more minutes left. Um, you mentioned that one of the solutions to the problem of health inequity is directing resources into these communities that need them. You know how. Uh, you know, for those listening, how do you, how can they do that? Like, how can we direct these resources that we've been talking about um, to lower patient risk into the community? So we ran some numbers a while ago to look at the number of diabetes care and education specialists uh, that were in minority communities. And they weren't there. And I mean, it's not their fault, right? The system has not afforded them the opportunity to be in those communities. And so what's happening uh, down there at the community level, those uh, trying to manage diabetes 
Uh, they go see their doctor maybe four times a year. And the rest of the time, they're in community on their own. Um, there's very little in the community to actually help them manage uh, the uh, uh, manage diabetes. To um, There are others in the community to have it, but they, they're not partnered together in the learning community uh, to actually manage it. Uh, and so what, what we see in those communities is, number one, uh, they have elevated hemoglobin A1C levels. You know, in those communities, the average hemoglobin A1C could be 9 or 10, which is saying to you, this, this community is, is not being well managed. We could see it. And then you could see the hospitalizations. So it, it would be wonderful if we had diabetes care and education specialists in those communities every day. Um, helping populations manage the disease, uh, being their advocates and their system navigators. I mean, you, you need that sort of intervention in order to, to, to make headway. Now, I see health lands, you know, they, they see the problem with diabetes, but they're doing it as one-off. Each of them has got their own program, I'm sure, with their own messages, and it's completely confusing to everybody because, you know, people move from one plan to another, or, and, and it's, just, it's just a confusing mess. And so, you know, the point is we have to do this with purpose and we, uh, we, we have to have that plan. And certainly we need the diabetes care and education specialists in community where they can be, it's like evangelical work. They've got to be there in the community to help those uh, who are living with the disease. Well, I so appreciate you saying that. I think, you know, several conversations we've had over the past couple of years with you and, uh, you know, others that have come on on the huddle. And we also have a new research agenda that really focuses on a few key points of um, implementation science and how do we get out into the community, reach into the community. And it's, you know, leveraging community health workers and peer support workers too, so that we can get that reach with the technology that you talked about earlier with CGMs. And how, how do we get this technology out to the communities that need them most as we try to build a workforce of diabetes care and education specialists? Because we know that this specialty needs to grow and grow exponentially. So really, uh, just really appreciate your thoughts there. And in some ways, lets us know hey, we're going the right direction. Um, and Gary, you know, before we leave, are, you know, any any final thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, I would leave them with one to-do and something to think about. The to-do is to go vote, right? At the end of the day, um, our healthcare system is being managed by policymakers who make the investment in healthcare. And so it's important that they vote uh, because that's part of the reimagining process is to put people in office who, who get it uh, and want to make that investment. And I always like to leave with a thought experiment, something to think about during the, during the course of the day. And, and what I would, the thought experiment I would leave with is, do you want a healthcare system that is driven by our biology like financial risk models are, or a system that supports our biology. And those are really two different systems, uh, if you think long and hard about it. And so I, I leave that as something to think about. And hopefully you, you'll see why those systems are very, very different. <laughs> 
And we can use our vote to vote for that system that we want, right? Exactly the point. Carrie, thank you so much for being here. You are always so insightful and you kind of help us make sense of what we're doing and how to reach people. Um, and I just so appreciate you being on. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time and, and wishing you and everyone a happy Minority Health Month. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Huddle. It is clear from today's conversation, there is still so much to do to tackle the diabetes epidemic. While the problems that Dr. Puckrin referenced here will certainly take time to solve, DCESs are positioned in our varying health systems to implement solutions for immediate small wins. Start doing your part by thinking critically about your own healthcare system and identifying opportunities to reduce patient risks like hospitalizations, ER visits, and comorbidities. If you're listening to this and you're not part of a health system, remember that your vote in local and national elections also influences health policy and therefore health outcomes. Partner with patients to vote for changes that increase access to critical health services and address social determinants of health. ADCES is here as your trusted resource in your efforts to advance access and equity in diabetes care. We've included some resources in the episode show notes at diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcasts. And remember that ADCES membership gets you access to additional resources and education. Discover the full benefits of membership at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.